Hey, good morning. Welcome home. So glad you're here. It's time for Children's Church. So um, if you're headed that way, this is the time to do it. Um, great, great. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Laura and Eric and Kathy and everybody, um, the worship team, for um, just that, that beautiful time. Um, happy Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. Giants. Pats? Oh, my goodness. Well, the 9 o'clock was decidedly Giants. Madonna at halftime? Oh, I saw that. There's counseling for you after. Okay. Okay. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. If you have your Bible, please open it there. Uh, If you don't, there's one under the seat, one of the seats in front of you, and that's yours to keep if you don't have a Bible. Some of you are thinking that I've gone really healthy, switching from Diet Coke to bottled water. Not true. Forgot my wallet today. This is in the fridge, so you drink what's there, right? Okay, we are in week five of our series called Exporting the Gospel. And I imagine some of you are wondering if this exporting the gospel thing is a phase that we're going through as a church. It's time you knew that it is. It is. We call it following Jesus. And we intend to do it for a very, very, very long time. So don't look for it to end. Today, we're going to be looking at your love life. Your love life. This message is called Inseparable Loves. But before we dive in, uh, I want you to know that Jesus is taking this church to the streets in a beautiful, beautiful way. And I want to thank him And I want to thank you for your faithfulness because so much has happened. So much has happened just in the last, less than a month, less than a month. In that time, through exporting the gospel, um, through Jesus' love and provisioning your faithfulness, um, we have blessed Amalia and her children with with a freezer of love, with food for the winter, and um, also a birthday party and Uh, We've paid their rent for February and uh, given them a van that they can fit the whole family in. So we're very, very grateful for that. We've also bought a wireless PA system for uh, the last resort. That's the AA headquarters here in town because they have a new speaker series and it gathered um, 30 people um, who are alcoholics or um, families of people who are struggling with that. And we wanted to be a blessing to them. So, so now they have a, a new PA system. We helped a family of a woman who is pregnant with twins and it gets worse. Her husband has just been paroled and is, is jobless and they were about to get kicked out of their apartment. So now um, they have uh, their rent paid for February and we're gonna keep in touch with them. Um, they may be our next freezer of love. We don't know. We're going we're gonna to pray that over that. We're going to figure that out. And there was, a, there was another uh, young lady who was just uh, paroled and did not have a place to spend the night. It was late in the day. Um, she doesn't have a home. So she needed a night here in town before she could go home to her home church in Alamosa, who was helping take care of her, which we were able to confirm. So um, we were able to give her a warm, comfortable night at the Comfort Inn, hence the name Comfort Inn. And, and then, I uh, don't see him, but um, we were able to uh, buy food for our new Christian friend, Johnny, and repair his door trim, which he broke when he locked himself out of the house, which was dumb, but we love him anyway. So um, that is just the beginning. That's just, that's less than a month. You multiply that 12 times and and multiply it each time because more and more people are going to be coming. Then the city and the college begins to know that there is a God who loves them radically because his people can't hold back the blessing, can't hold back the blessing. In fact, there is uh, our life group, um, was praying about, uh, there's a, a couple, and I saw their name up on the prayer board. I'll put it back, but I, I plucked this off. Um, Jason and Andrea, we have been trying to, you know them? Good. Um, we would love, as, as a group of five, six couples, um, 
to bless them, not just to the extent of our ability, but to the extent of God's ability in every way possible. If that's something that they would accept, we'd love to come around them and, and, and just shower them with so much support and love and blessing. Um, but we've had trouble getting in touch. So anyway, if you could talk to me, that'd be great. Um, just a quick uh, commercial announcement. Um, prayer night on Wednesday night is not just for those who feel comfortable praying out loud with other people. It's also for those who get creeped out about praying out loud with other people, but need prayer. If I have so many people who come up to me, I need prayer for this, I need prayer for We have a lot of people who are passionate about coming before God and crying out for his mercy, for his blessing, for his will, for his desire, for his spirit. And so if you need prayer and, and you're not comfortable with that, but you need to be prayed with or prayed over, Wednesday, seven, here, it's great, it's beautiful, come. Um, also, please raise your hand if you know of anyone either in Gunnison or at Western, who is severely struggling financially because of the tanked economy. It might even be you. You know anybody? Nobody knows anybody. Real? Yes, everybody knows somebody. This has been so devastating to so many individuals, so many families. Maybe some of your, maybe some of your friends can't they may not be able to stay because their parents can't afford it. They can't afford to stay at school. Maybe we've got people, we got people in some dire circumstances, not just the ones I've just talked about. Well, next week, we are going to have the recession reversal blessing service. We're going to talk about it more. These are the invitation cards. And so everybody who raised your hand, um, and even those who didn't, I'm going to be standing at the, at the door to make you feel guilty if you don't take some of these cards. What we want you to do is to invite and bring with you people who are struggling, I mean struggling financially, and, um, and you can bring those who aren't struggling financially but, but want to help. I don't care if they're believers or not. We all, we all need to get in this, and, and they're going to be exposed to the gospel. We want to share the gospel with everybody we come in contact with, but we want to do this, and it depends on God's spirit working through you to really come outside ourselves and say, come, there's going to be a blessing here. We have blessings planned. Oh, by the way, it's going to cost us everything, but God is going to be glorified, and you're going to know you're going to know the joy of, of, of really loving people and allowing him to love people through you. Oh, it's great. So look for me there. Um, you'll be hearing more about it. Uh, and then we'll be back in Revelation in two weeks. Wait till you see what's waiting for you. Can't stand it. I can't stand it. It's great. Inseparable love. Let's rewind that. <laughs> Inseparable loves. Let's go, Matthew 22. If you're there... Uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 34. I'll read the passage, 34 to 40, and then we'll go back and unpack it. Here we go. But when the Pharisees heard that he, that Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him, to test, test Jesus. Here's what he said, 36. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Okay, stop there. Love God Love people. It's all about love. Those two commands start with, you shall love the Lord your God. You shall love the neighbor, your neighbor as yourself. It's all about love. That's the heartbeat of God. Look, it's you shall love God, which starts with God loving us. So it's importing the gospel and loving other people. That's exporting the gospel. 
So you see, I'm not making this up. We have to have the gospel imported into us and receive it and then we export it because God's love cannot be contained. It will not be contained. He wants it to spread throughout all the earth, all tribes and tongues, the Bible says, so that all people may come together under Jesus Christ to to give him praise and glory. It's all about love. So let's recap. We have the Pharisees. We have the Pharisees and being the self-righteous, hyper-religious Jesus haters that they are, they get together and try to find a way to trap Jesus. So they find one of their clan who is a lawyer, probably a smarmy ambulance chaser type, maybe with a nickname like the strong arm or something. And he comes up to Jesus and he asks him this question. He kind of baits him. He says, what is the first, what's the greatest commandment? Make sure you get this right, Jesus. Because if you're God, you ought to know this. And he says, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And he gives them more than he bargained for. He says, I'm not just gonna give you the first commandment. There is one that is like it in importance. You can't separate the two. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And this is not what the Pharisees wanted. This is not what they wanted at all. Why? Because the lawyer and the Pharisees believed that they could love God without loving other people. You see, the Pharisees were all about studying the scriptures, which is a good thing, letting people know how holy they are, which is a bad thing. And they would do this and they would treat people like dirt. They would treat people condescendingly, very badly like dirt. So Jesus wanted them and he wants us to know that loving God and loving people go hand in hand. They are inseparable loves, inseparable, super glued by God together. They should always appear together. And we're gonna see how both the world and the church love to separate these two. But it's like asking which wing of the airplane is more important. If they're not both there, you're not leaving the ground, baby. You're grounded. And that's the truth of us. So before we look at loving God and what that looks like in in the way that Jesus talks about it, before we look at loving other people in the way that looks as Jesus talks about it, we have a problem. And that problem is the word love. We have to define it. And it's really, really difficult because we drop the L-bomb for everything, don't we? We do. You know, you go out on one day to love you. Really? You have a good burger. I love that burger. You know, we talked about this in the very first Sunday in October last year, and we'll replay it for those of you. I love the way Matt Chandler puts it. He says, the problem is that the word love cannot be defined in our culture. It is a junk drawer word. Um, You know how I know it's true? He says, because you love your dog and you love your wife and you're not saying the same thing. At least I hope you're not. You love bacon and you love the Broncos and none of it really has to do with you. It has everything to do with how this thing makes you feel, what this thing or this person gives back to you. So if we could more articulately um, describe what the way, the way we, the thing we mean when we say love, we, we mean right now, in this moment, in this situation, this makes me feel good. But you change the moment, you change the situation, you change the way I feel about it, and I'm out. I, I don't love that. I don't love you anymore. So that kind of explains this um, 
bipolar swinging that we have about the way we feel about love. I mean, isn't that the case? Isn't that really why so many of our marriages crash and burn? If you, as long as you make me happy, I'm in. As long as you are means to my end, my future, as I define it, I'm good. You change that, you stop delivering what I bargained for, and I fell out of love. And it also explains why we swing from love to hate in our things, uh, our house, our cars, you know. You, you love your house. You love your apartment until a pipe breaks. Then I hate this place, right? You love your car. It's really cool until it won't start on a cold morning. I hate this jalopy, right? We will love and hate our teams in the same game. Oh, I love them. I love them. Tebow's going to do it. He's going to do it. They do this to me every time. They get my hopes up and then they crush me. Right? Love, right? So the best it means in our culture is I like this right now. I like this right now. And God, when the inventor of love when the source of all true love says love, he's not talking about any, any of this. He's talking about something so much more transcendent, so much more powerful, so much more beautiful, and so much more available than most of us have been led to think. And that's the beauty of it. That's the, so before we go on, very quickly, we want to debunk a couple of love myths that are out there. Debunk a couple of love myths. The first is love is a feeling. Love is a feeling. And we place so much importance on the feeling of being loved. And here's something that the Hallmark cards never told us. Feelings lie. Feelings lie. In fact, if you rely on your feelings of being loved and receiving love and the feelings, it's nice when they come along with it. But if you trust that, if you follow your feelings, it's just a matter of time before you cut off your friends, before you call it quits and throw in the towel on your marriage, and before you cut yourself off from God. Cut yourself off from God. Love, it's beautiful when the feelings come along with it, but it's more than a feeling. It's a decision. It's a commitment. It's a willing sacrifice of everything, everything. And here's the best part. It is all under the control of the person doing the loving. Whether the person who's supposed to receive it feels like they're being loved or not, really doesn't matter. I'm sure there have been scads of times when my children have felt, he couldn't do that to me. He doesn't love me anymore. I have decided that I will love them no matter what. There is no deviant lifestyle. There is no sin they can commit. There is no atrocity. I have decided I will love them as long as I breathe. I'm not a great father. I'm just saying I've made that. It really doesn't matter what they think. I wish, because it's in my control, right? Yeah. I wish I had a pint of Ben and Jerry's oatmeal cookie chunk for every time somebody has come into my office and said, say with me if you know the words, I don't feel like God loves me anymore. Now, I'm not diminishing where you are if you're feeling this or where you are if you're one of the 800 people who've said this to me. But that's a relatively simple problem. Not to diminish what you're going through, but whether you feel it or not, really doesn't matter because Jesus says he does and there ain't nothing you can do about it. And when the feelings are there, it's great. But when the feelings go, you got to stand. Don't trust the feelings. Trust him. He says, I love you. I will always love you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. His love for you is not dependent on how pleased he is with you. 
grace. And it's beautiful. And we need it in order to love the way he calls us to love. Okay, love myth number two. Not only is love not a feeling, who fell for this one? Here's, here's love myth number two. Love is a 50-50 give and take. Did you, did you buy that? Did you buy that? Any married people bought that? Any of you formerly married people ever bought that? It's not. It's not. It's not a 50-50 give and take. Love is a sacrifice that is willing to give 100% regardless, even if we get back zero. That's the kind of love Jesus is talking about. I will give 100%. He gives 100% to us. Doesn't matter what he gets back. That's the kind of love you say, I can't do that. Amen. Can only come from him. Can only come from him. And, And today we want to ask him to crank up the love thermostat. Now, I did this in the first service, and as I did it, I realized I have really old thermostats because only the really cranky old ones do this. They do this, right? We want to ask him, that's the up button. This is the down button, okay? We want to ask him to turn up the love thermostat today and tomorrow, and we do it again next week and next week until we're so overwhelmed with love for him and for other people that we're finally walking in the love that he died to give us and rose to empower us to go out. That's him living through us. That's the beauty of it. If we love sacrificially, if we love God sacrificially, our greatest joy comes from giving him his greatest joy, no matter the cost. If we're to love other people like he's talking about, then our greatest joy comes from giving them their greatest joy and their greatest blessing, no matter the cost. That's what we're talking about. Love is sacrifice. I'm not making this up, I promise. I want you to see this, 1 John. 1 John chapter three. Like, like I wanna hear pages turning because I wanna, you don't have to turn there, just let me hear the pages. 1 John chapter three. We're gonna start in verse 16. This is beautiful stuff. John writes, by this, we know love. This is how we know what love is. That he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. Okay, pause there. Now, if we wanna know what love is, if we really wanna know, if we look in God's dictionary, if he had one, under love, it's gonna have a picture of Jesus on the cross. Jesus on the cross. You see why? Because he's dying for the death sentence of treason. Treason. See, you and I, and Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, and Lady Gaga, and everybody in between, including Tim Tebow, we are all, I'm just doing this again and again, we are all guilty of treason against the king. From our first parents to every every decision we made, every sin that we've fallen in love with, every thing that we've yielded to that we shouldn't, every thought, treason against the king. So the king of kings shows up, comes not to execute us. Here's the crazy part, to execute himself for the crime of treason against the king that we committed. The only one, the only one, born of woman. The only person who is not guilty of treason, not guilty of rebellion says, I will come not to execute you, but to take your death sentence on myself on the cross as as your substitute in, in your place and offer that to you as a gift. And and, and, and a gift, if, if you go out to dinner and there's somebody at the other table and they love you and they want to pay for your dinner, you can choose to say, thank you. Thank you, yes. Or you can choose to say, I don't need anybody to pay for my dinner. I'll take care of it. I can take care of myself. And that is the decision we all must reach. Whether or not we want to pay our own price for treason or allow Jesus to pay it for us. 
and through repentance, which means a, a change of mind, change of heart, doing a 180, he invites us to come to the cross and say, yes, Jesus, pick up the tab because our treason is either on us or it's on him. For a king to pay the penalty of his subjects who have rebelled. There's no other story like it. There's no other hope like it. There's no other love like it. By this we know what love is, that he laid down his life for us. And here's the result. Second half of verse 16. Because those of us who have imported the gospel, who have received this, who have allowed him to pick up our tab for treason and and, and cover our sin, we ought to then lay down our lives for the brothers. If you've received it, if you've imported that love of Jesus that covers everything, we also... That love makes us yearn to sacrifice ourselves on behalf of others, behalf of others. But if anyone, it continues, this is what it looks like if we don't. But if anyone has the world's goods, stuff, money, time, effort, whatever, food, clothing, and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide or live in him because God's love always makes us want to be conduits to be flowing. What we receive, we share. The grace that we've gotten, we give. The blessings we've received, we bestow. Little children, and he's not talking to the kids in children's church, he's talking to all of us. Let us not love in word or talk but in deed and in truth. Love doesn't just feel. Love doesn't just do a Hallmark card. Love does. Love gives. Love sacrifices. If we received it, it changes us into sacrificial lovers. If we've received his sacrificial love, it does its work on our hearts and we have to love him back. And we have to love other people or our hearts will burst I got lost. Okay, a little grace here. Love is unconditional sacrifice, no matter what the response, as long as it takes, no matter the cost, forever if, if need be. Not as long as you give me what I want or need, that I've made a decision that as long as I'm breathing, I'm gonna love God. As long as I'm breathing, I'm going to love people. This is my prayer. This isn't the reality of my life. No one's there yet. Not one of us is there yet. We need to, we need to plead with God. God, take our love thermostat. Crank it up today. Crank it up tomorrow. Crank it up every day so, so that I continue to walk into more and more love for you and love for people until I'm home and just swallowed up in that love and life. That's what we need. And here's the hope. Here's the hope. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is not dependent on how much or how well you love because he decided it. It's dependent upon how much and how well he loves you. And that's already set. He's not turning back. The key to all of this is opening ourselves to be loved because he starts it. The people who love God are the ones who've opened their heart to be loved so radically, so ridiculously, so lavishly, who have allowed the love of God to so infiltrate and infect and and energize every area of our lives that we can't help but pour out love back to him and pour out love because we're just gonna burst if we don't. So the people who love God are really the ones who have allowed him to love them the best. And it's not because he loves us more. It's just a question of opening ourselves up and receiving the love that is there. It's more available than any of us know. Do you know it will take an eternity for you to discover the beauty and the power and the depth and the height of God's love for you? That's why he gives us an eternity to do it that eternity, that love quest, that love discovery can advance 
for you today. It can begin for others of you today who have never said, yes, Jesus, import your gospel into me. That sacrificial love, that's what I need. That's the key to loving you. That's the key to loving other people. That's what I need. That's what I want. Let's go. Number three myth, and then we'll move on. Love is not blind. Love is not blind. We have so many dating couples here, and and I love you, but you crack me up. So, um... (laughs) I, you know, I love, you know, high school or college girls that come in. I love him. I just love him. He's perfect. Um, he's not perfect. <laughs> he smells like a wet puppy. He always has to one-up you in every conversation, and he shows you his chew food. You know what I'm talking about? He's not perfect. Love is not blind. Love sees it all and loves anyway. Jesus sees it all and loves you anyway. He didn't love us and and decide to save us because we were adorable. Quite the opposite. He saw us infected and dying and becoming more and more unlovely with sin that breaks his heart and rebels against him. Seeing all that, he loved us anyway. Romans 5, 8, you gotta see it. You gotta see it. Here it is. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. When we were at our worst, and for some of you, that's this morning. With some of you, when we were at our worst, Jesus loved us best. When we were at our worst, love isn't blind. Love sees it all and loves anyway. He sacrificed himself when you and I We're at our worst when we were sinners. Christ died for us. Maybe there's a guy, you know this guy. He is married to the most abrasive, angry woman who is like an angry cat that you just swung around by the tail. His love is not blind. It should see it all and say, that's mine and I will love her as long as I breathe, regardless of whether she ever acts the way that I hope she does, regardless of whether I ever feel loved. That's love. It's not fragile. It's bulletproof. It's not conditional. It's steadfast. It's not what our culture tells us. It's what God has demonstrated for us. So we're commanded to love God with all our heart, soul, mind. Love God. Not facts about God, which are good to know. Love God. Not good theology, which is essential to have. Love God. God, not love obedience, which flows through love, which love always obeys, but to love God. First things first. And, and that can get really, really crazy. We said it at the start. The person who loves God really is the one who has allowed God to love him or her radically, radically to import the gospel. You need that love thermostat turned up. Do you want to know if you love Jesus? Love Jesus as much? How much of your love for Jesus has to do more with not going to hell than longing to spend every moment of eternity with no separation, just with him, like Kathy was singing? How much of your love for Jesus has to do with not wanting to be punished versus longing to be with him? Heaven is not for those who want to just avoid hell. It's for those who long to spend eternity in the arms, in the love, bathed in the glory of Jesus Christ. Which motivates you more? If this life was all there was, it's not. But what if it was? 
If this life was all there was, you stop breathing, you flatline, and game over. Would you still love Jesus? Would you still follow him? If not, then maybe it's more about what you get than who he is. And that can be a really subtle difference. We're called to love the nature, the character, the person of the Godhead, Father, Son, Spirit, love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. Um, some of you guys, you know, you like the rugged kind of warfare mo- models. I don't blame you. It's great. It's in there. It's part of the character of God. And I think a lot of you, and, and women too, would say, um, if we were asked, would you, in some kind of quasi-revelation, persecution model, would you say that you're willing to die rather than deny Jesus Christ if that is demanded of you? A lot of us would say, yeah, bring it. You know, I'll do that. But even as we do, we have to be honest that for many of us, the overwhelming evidence of our daily life says we're not willing to live for him. In that case, how many of us know that we love God the way we should? I ain't raising my hand. I'm crying out for mercy. I'm asking for more of his love. Loving God... um, means that we love who he loves. Have you ever had a friend who was either married or had a close boyfriend or girlfriend? And you loved the friend, but you didn't like or love the spouse or the boyfriend or the girlfriend, right? That's not gonna go well. Let me just save you some time. It's not gonna go well. Because if you truly love the person in the way that Jesus is talking about, you're going to love what they love. We have a song, I'll love who you love. I'll go where you go. I'll do what you do. If we really love God, we're going to love the people that, that God loves because we're going to be so consumed with him that we're going to love those people he loves, which is the body, right? He loves those people who belong to him. He loves those people too. And we're going to love these people who are in deep, desperate need because he loves to pour out his blessing and rescue people and bless them and provide for them. We're going to love people in need because he loves people in need. And we're going to live and love people who are far from him, whose sin repulses us because he does. And if he didn't, I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. If we love God, we're going to love the people that he loves Otherwise, we don't really love God as much as we might think. And that's the thrust of John 4.20. If you're there, just look over to the next chapter. We'll start in uh, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. We can export the gospel only because we've allowed him to import it first. He started it. He's the source. Verse 20, if anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love the God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So I grew up with three sisters and no brothers. So most of my childhood, I figured I was off the hook. Nope. Loving God, loving people, they're not this, they're this. And God has super glued these two together, which is why when the Pharisees and the lawyer asked what's the greatest commandment, he didn't give them one, he gave them two because they're not meant to be separated. They're always found together. And when they're not found together, that should be a big red flag that something is wrong. We're to love our Neighbors, we're to love our brothers, we're to love people. Want to know if you love people? When you think about most people, do you most think of the things that you dislike, the things that irritate you, the sins that beset them, the obnoxious characteristics and habits that they have, or do you most think of the seed of beauty that God has planted inside them, often hidden, often buried, 
as he made them in his image, that you can come beside them and speak life into and encourage and through the Holy Spirit bring to the surface. Which do you most think about when you think about people? Do you categorize them about by what's wrong and how much they irritate you and their brokenness and sinfulness or their blessedness and their latent potential for glorifying God in Jesus Christ? Is blessing somebody's attitude, is elevating somebody's mood and, and feelings and, and, and day more important to you than expressing your own? When you walk into a room, are you looking for somebody to vent to or somebody to elevate? It's a good way to tell if you love people. This love doesn't just love the lovable and the lovely. This love loves the unlovable and the unlovely and the undeserving and sacrifices its life for them just like Jesus does for us. Anything short of that really doesn't deserve the word. Doesn't deserve the word. So don't say I love you right after you have your first kiss. Love means a lot more than that. Means a lot more than that. How many of us no longer think we love people as much as we thought we did? I don't think I do. But I know I need to because I want that to be true of me. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. So we have some self-loathing friends, and if you're one of them, you're, you're very welcome here. But some of our self-loathing friends say, love your neighbor as yourself. I hate myself. I hate my neighbor. I guess I'm good. <laughs> nope. Nope. It's never that easy, right? Because there is a way in which even the self-loathing, and I know a little bit, a bit about which I speak, love themselves. If you're hungry, you go to the kitchen and get a bag of chi- celery, <laughs> right? If you're cold, you put on a sweatshirt. If you're tired, you take a nap. If you're hurting, if you have a headache, you take two Tylenol. You meet your basic needs. Loving your neighbor looks a lot like sacrificing to bless them by meeting their basic needs. Start there. If you can't even get there, it says love your enemies. Start there. Either way, you got to love. Either way, you got to love. How about this? When we talk about next week, the recession reversal blessing service. What is your dominant thought? What's your dominant thought as we talk about that? Do you have a sense of joy and anticipation? Or do you have a sense of hassle and resistance? There's one more thing I got to do. Or can you only think about what is wrong with it or what could be wrong with it? Or are you indifferent? All right, another thing. Might come, might not, we'll see. It's an opportunity to love God and love people and bring those two together. The way we feel in our hearts that we're not talking about right now, when we think about or talk about stuff like this, tells us an awful lot about how much we love God and how much we love people if we're not feeling joy and anticipation over that opportunity, ask him, turn up that love thermostat because I don't have it. And I know it's there. I know it's there in you. Loving people and loving God, we're going to land the plane, um, are two inseparable loves. And yet we always try to separate them. The people in the world who are not yet followers of Jesus Christ are always trying to love people without loving God. On the other hand, churches all around the world are filled with those who want to try to love God without loving other people. And mark my words, both of us are lost. Both 
are lost because he says they're inseparable. If you've got one, you need to have the other because my love does both. Not because you gin it up from something. Some of you are convinced that you can get closer to Jesus Christ without getting closer to other people. And frankly, that's why we have such difficulty with some people joining life groups. It's true. It's true. Um, We cannot know Jesus deeply without knowing and loving people that he loves deeply and honestly. And none of us is perfect at it, but he is. And he can teach us to love him. And he can teach us to love others, regardless of the way we act and the way we think. And he can overwhelm that. And he doesn't cook it in a microwave. He cooks it in the crock pot every day, every day. Turn up the love thermostat. I don't have it in me. I need it from you. If you think about plants, and I do often, um, they need two things. They need water and light. Shri is here. Do this. La, 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 la. Shri has a black thumb and it's killed every plant that's ever been under our roof. But I love her dearly. See it all. Love anyway. Right? You know why? Because she breathes life into people. And that's far more important than plants. But plants need light and plants need water. You deny them one of those things, they're going to die. They're going to die. Deny people the love of God, the love of people. We are going to die, regardless of how we look on the outside. And he has put them together. Let's get down to brass tacks. If the idea of sacrificing your life for loving God and others who don't deserve it doesn't always appeal to you, doesn't always thrill you, welcome to the club. All of us are there to one degree or another. We have a choice. We can either yield to that and allow the roots of that to grow and kill us or we can repent and pray to God saying, I don't love you enough. That love for you has to come from you. So import more of it by the work of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You got to give me love for you. And while you're waiting for the answer of that prayer, act as if you already have it. And if you, like me, know you don't love people enough, we can either yield to that and let the roots of that grow into our hearts and kill us, or we can repent and pray to God and beg him saying, you love people, give me that, because I know I need that in order to please you and love you. That's what you do but I don't have it. So you got to import more of that so I can export it. And while we're waiting for the answer to that prayer, go and behave as though you do. Because one day, as you do this, and it's sooner than most of you think, you're going to find that you're not doing it out of a sense of dry, empty duty. You're doing it because he has so filled you with a love that has to be shared. You cannot contain it. You cannot contain it. And it becomes love and life and freedom. And it becomes worship. And it becomes walking with Jesus. Because that's what he's doing. So this is not just, doesn't sound like my kind of project, Kind of, it's a question of, I got another opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love people. I'm not trying to manipulate you. Choice is yours. You can do it or not. It's all about love. It starts with Jesus. Some of us need it imported like we've never had it imported before. 
the gospel, I mean, his love, his sacrifice, his new life, his forgiveness. Some of us need to reconnect with that. Some of us need to connect with him for the first time. Coming to him broken with our sin and saying, I'm a traitor. I hear you paid the price for that. Will you pick up my tab and be my God? I'm guilty as charged. But I hear you want to set me free and give me new life because of what you did on the cross. It'll change your heart. He'll ramp up that love thermostat like you never knew possible. Some of us need help exporting. We just need to beg him. We need to repent and say, we need to send more out. We don't got it, but you do. It's all about love. How's your love life? How's your love life with God? How's your love life with people in your marriage, in your friendships, with people that you feel more comfortable ignoring than engaging and loving? People who are broken in ways that offend you. How's it going? It all starts and ends with Jesus and the love that you need, the love that you're waiting for has been waiting for you. Please don't wait anymore. The love is here. Let's pray. Lord, um, your word is your word. Send it out by the power of your Holy Spirit into our hearts and change us. Lord, give us boldness to come before you. And if we need to pray and repent because we don't love, love you enough, and I don't know anybody who doesn't, certainly not me, and we do that, we ask you to pour into us your love, which starts it all. And Lord, if, if we're in the position of not loving others enough, um, and I don't know anybody myself included, who does. We need to come to you and repent and ask you to fill us with that love that has to be exported or reversed. Um, Lord, if there is...